You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're going to talk about rotations. We're going to talk about the 5-1, the 6-2, the 4-2. Maybe you're a coach trying to determine which one is the right uh, rotation formation for you. We're going to talk about the pros and cons, give a couple insights in terms of strategy and what to think about when you're deciding this, and uh, hopefully answer some of the top questions that you know many coaches have had with regards to uh, these type of formations. So this is an episode you don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is... The Volleyball by Design Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 150, or rather 169 of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? Another week of volleyball. I uh, hope everyone's doing well. For my new listeners, welcome to the podcast. My name is Coach Brian Singh, and I'm the host of the podcast. And to my regular listeners, as always, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode where the goal is to give you tangible step-by-step strategies so you can take it to your gym and apply it right away. And today we are going to talk about rotations. Now, um, I do want to let you know that I have done episodes on rotations before. Uh, I've done two episodes on rotations before. Um, The first one was called How to Structure Your Rotation. I did that back on February 1st, 2021. So again, if you're in Spotify or whatever podcast you're listening to, you can Google that. Sorry, not Google, but you can search that up. And in that episode, I just I literally broke down how to organize your rotation. I talked about the rules of rotation. I talked about hitting lanes, determining how many passers, and I briefly talked about the different types of rotations. And then on May 2nd, 2022, I also talked about how to make your rotations uh, more efficient. And I specifically mentioned rotation uh, five, six, and four, um, and how you can kind of set your rotation up to be you know better better effective to run your offense. So I did talk about two rotation episodes. However, this one's going to be a little different. This one's more catered to determining which rotation is best for you. And, you know, for some and you know, I shouldn't say for some reason, because this is now the time where we're in the beginning of the season and, or in many cases, many of you are in the beginning of your seasons and you're trying to determine, you know, what's the best system? What is the best rotation for you? And there are three rotations you can play with, the 5-1, the 6-2, and the 4-2. Those are the three different ones you can play with, and I'll briefly explain all three, and then we'll, we'll get it, we'll dive more into the intricacies of each one. Now, if you are a, you know, elementary school coach, super young team, just learning the skills of our game, uh, you may want to consider what we call the 4-2 rotation. And the 4-2 rotation means you have two setters. So 4-2 is the two setters and four attackers. Generally, that's what that means. And all that that means is that your setters, they start opposite of each other. So if you have a setter starting in position two, the other setter is going to be starting in position five. Okay, so exactly opposite of each other. And that way, when one setter rotates to the front court, the other setter is going to rotate to the back court. And with the 4-2, you want to have one setter setting either left side or setting either right side. It's the most simple offense 
that you can do as a 4-2, okay? And all that happens is that you have one setter and you're always, and then normally the setter is in the middle in position three, and then there is a right side and then there's a left side. One in front, one behind. Very simple offense, very easy for the passers to get the ball to a location because they just have to get it up into the middle of the floor or, or the, you know, the, the front of the net there. And that way, everything kind of revolves around that middle. And then the setter just goes behind or in front. And it's very, very simple. And that is really all there is to it. So that's a 4-2. I guess I can talk a little bit about it more. Um, one thing that you might want, want to consider if you're planning on running a 4-2 is that, again, this is why I say it's at the very, very young age group you're going to do a 4-2 because there is no middle offense in a 4-2. In theory, there, in theory, there's ne- normally not a middle offense. There is just one side in front of you and one side behind you. So one thing to bear in mind is that it's a lot easier to defend because you're only defending two hitters. That's it. You're not defending three hitters or four hitters. You're defending two hitters. So at the younger age group, the reason why this is okay is because, you know, even though you're defending two hitters, the athletes don't know how to move efficiently yet. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's just, it's better for the game to get, you'll get more touches. It'll be easier to understand and the kids will get a chance to play more volleyball. Now you can modify this four, two slightly if you wanted to. So if you wanted to still run a four, two, um, a four, and again, a four-two suggests that there's no backcourt offense. There's only frontcourt offense. What you can do to take this a little bit of a step further is instead of having the setter set from the middle of the court, the setter can set out of position two, just like they would in any other other any of the other systems like a five-one or a six-two. And all that happens is instead of having a left side and a right side, you now have a middle, and you have a left side. That's it, though. You only have a middle and a left side, okay? So you don't have a right side attack. If you want to experiment and play with having a a faster offense in the middle and then a left side attack, this is something you can play with. Um, And it actually could could work because the the right side blocker on the other team, they're going to have a decision to make if they want to help pinch in. and, and And the problem with the right side blocker helping to pinch in is that at the younger age group, they're going to have a tough time if they jump to then be able to get outside and make a swing if they decide to help in the middle. So a 4-2 with the middle attack could work as well because if you're, if, you're, if you're doing this type of offense, then I'm assuming that you're at a lower level, which will make the other team at a lower level, which is also going to be very difficult for them to defend by bringing that pin blocker over. Okay, so there is there is uh, something to think about with the four two if you want to. And at the younger age group, there's nothing wrong with doing a four two. By the way, nothing wrong. Another thing you might ha- want to consider is if how many passes you're going to have. The other good thing about a four two is that it makes your job easier when it comes to passing because your setter is not pushing up. So like if normally when you have a backcourt setter, they either have to be hidden or they're pushing up a player, taking a player out of the passing zone. And that's, that's part of the job. But in this case, you could have three passers. You could have four passers. I mean, hey, you could even have five passers. Now, I don't recommend five passers because that's way too much people to clog up zones. And it actually becomes more of a disservice. It's like, what's that saying? The more, like, you can't have too much of something or it's not good. It's like the diminishing marginal returns, I think, is the economics term. 
But ba- like it's like if you imagine if you have one person mowing a lawn and then two people helping them mow a lawn. Eventually, if you have twenty people mowing that lawn, it's just chaos. It's, it's not gonna. No one's gonna get anything done. It's not efficient. It's just kind of the same thing. You don't want to have too many passers. So, anyways, I'm talking long about the four two, but you get that's that's kind of the main thing there. Okay. Now let's get to the five one. Yeah, the five one is the most popular different type of. It's the most popular volleyball rotation in the world. And the reason the five one is popular is because the five one, the one, suggests that they have one setter. So you have one setter, and everybody else is an attacker. Now I I don't like this term five one per se, but I understand why they do it. The, the whole rationale behind five one is you have five attackers, one setter. Okay, but the reality is is you know the way our game played is you don't have five attackers. You're never ever going to have five attackers, and if you do, uh, it's not efficient. The offense will not be efficient because that's too many. You're going to have four attackers. Always, always, always going to have four attackers, not five. And and on top of that, there's only real the there's only four real hitting lanes in volleyball. There's not five. There's four. I mean, there's multiple hitting lanes, but you can only jam four hitting lanes at the same time. There's no such thing as jamming five lanes. And if you're playing with the libero, then that's the conversation's over. If you're playing with the libero, then you only have four attackers. Which, if you're running a five-one, chances are you have a libero. So, yeah, you know, if you don't have a libero, yeah, then you can run five attackers. But like I said, it's very, very difficult to run five attackers in in our game because you're clogging too many zones up, and the offense will not run efficiently. Okay, so a five-one is when you have one setter. So every single rotation. You have one setter setting the ball. Now a six-two, again, don't like the name, but it suggests that you have six attackers and two setters. Now, similar to the five-one, you don't have six attackers. It's impossible to have six attackers. The, I, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. Now, I understand why they say six attackers. I get it, but again, liberos, liberos are never going to be attacking. So, and if you're running a six-two, you are 100% having a libero on the floor. It's not like you are, except for when the when the middle serves. So six two suggests that you have two setters, and the rest of and everyone else is an attacker. But the thing with six two is since you have two setters on the floor, when the front row setter goes to the back row, sorry, let me rephrase that. I apologize. When the back row setter goes to the front row, they become an attacker, and the opposite that's in the front row. When they go to the back row, they become a setter. So no matter what, when your setter goes to the front row, they become an attacker, and then when they go back to the back row, they become a setter again. And the powerful idea behind six two is that you will always have a backcourt setter, meaning you'll always have three frontcourt attackers. You'll always have three frontcourt attackers. Okay. So there's a lot of pros and cons here, and I want to. Let's start with the six two, and we'll talk about the pros of the six two, and then we'll also talk about the cons. So six two. Here's the great thing. Here's why you hear coaches always the goal is to run a six two offense. That's here's why. Here's what's powerful about a six two. Well, with the six two, you're gonna always have three front court attackers. Always. That's powerful. You never have to worry about any rotation where you don't have three front row attackers. Okay, that's great. With a five one. When the setter's front row, you don't have three front court attackers. You can't because the setter's front row. So when the setter's front row, you only have two front row attackers. Okay. So problem number one for five one, but pro for six two. All right, and that's pretty much 
the the that's the, that's the biggest pro for six two, and that's why coaches want to try to run a six two offense is for that reason to always have three attackers. It's the only reason that they'd want to run a six two. Now a five one is when you have one setter, no matter where they are on the court. So all six rotations, you have the same setter, and with that setter. When that setter goes back row, great. You have three rotations where there's three front court attackers. When that setter goes front row, well, now you only have two front court attackers, and the back court becomes even more important. So in the men's game, you see more 5-1 than 6-2. You always see 5-1. And in the women's game, you see a lot more 6-2 than you do in the men's game. And the reason for that is more so because in the men's game, the guys really, really utilize the back row. There's a lot of pipe in the men's game. There's a lot of C-ball and D-ball. A C-ball and a D-ball is a is a backcourt right side, a.k.a. opposite attack. That's what a C or D-ball is. In the women's game, um, it's, it's, getting, it's, it's getting more popular now, and you're starting to see more backcourt offense, which is amazing, but it's not as popular as the men's game. And because of that, um, they, since they don't have a backcourt C-ball, by running a 6-2, that solves that problem of always having a right-side attack. Because a lot of women's coaches are worried that, well, if they run a 5-1 and the setter goes front row and they don't have any backcourt attack, then their their entire offense is left-side, 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 hopefully middle two. So their entire offense gets shrunk to two players versus when the setter's back row, you can have three front row players and then maybe a pipe. You know, So that's kind of the rationale behind the 6-2. Now, here are some things you have to consider when you're running a 6-2 or a 5-1. Some things you got to consider. And this is probably the number one argument I will use to why a 5-1 makes more sense for many coaches. In our game, the setter touches the ball every time. Okay, They're the only player that is 99% of the time going to touch the ball every single time it comes over on your side of the floor. Because their job is to put that ball in a great location for a hitter to score. That is probably the most important responsibility on your team. Because without them, you don't score a point at all. So they have to be able to be very good at their job. Now, it's very unlikely that you have two people who are as good as each other be the setters. You're always going to have one setter be better than the other setter. You're always going to have that. And if you don't, man, that is phenomenal. Good for you. You could run your 6-2. Well, not yet. Hear me out first. You know, it's almost like in football, you have a quarterback and the quarterback's great. They come in, they they get you to first down, and then they sub out and then new quarterback comes in, tries to get you to another first down. Like, it just doesn't, doesn't work. Why, why would you want to have any kind of discrepancy in terms of skill you want. And then on top of that, the quarterback is building that relationship with the receivers. They have that. They're on the same page. Well, the same thing with volleyball. Setters have a relationship with the hitters. They have that setter to hitter relationship. The hitters know what type of balls is coming from a setter. The setters also know what type of balls the hitters like. They know where to put them. Some, some players may be a little bit different than others. So they have these relationships. They have this style. To swap that back and forth every three rotations is a tough task. Okay, So number one is it's normally 
not an option where you have two setters that are the exact same. One setter is always going to be better, and you want that setter setting the ball. Why would you? Why would you not want your best setter touching the ball every second time? You know, it's just it, it just doesn't make sense to not have that. And then the other thing, which is kind of like icing on the cake, when you have two setters, when you're running a six-two, that means that when your setter rotates to the front row, they become your opposite hitter, and your opposite hitter is your best attacker who is not your best passer, right? The opposite's job is to score the ball. They don't pass. Their job is to score the ball and play defense. That is their job, which means that they have to score the ball at a high clip. And not to mention, they're going up against the other team's left side and middle. And they, they, gotta, they have to score. So if you're running a 6-2 now and your two setters are undersized, or even rather one setter is undersized, and there's a mismatch on that side, and now you just put your team at a disadvantage for, for that rotation. So you got to think about it. It's very rare to find a setter who is also your one of your better hitters. It's very rare. So that's why a 6-2, it sounds really nice to have three front court players that are attackers all the time. It does sound nice. But you have to have two phenomenal setters or at the very least, they're literally setting on the exact same page. And also, they're your two best hitters who are not your best passers. Or you're doing your team a disservice by running a 6-2. Okay? So that's, that's, my, that's my take. Now, I've seen teams run 6-2s, and it works, and that's phenomenal. You know, UCLA ran a 6-2 uh, when Micah Maha was their setter, and they had another setter. But Micah Maha... I think in the national championship game in his last year or second last year, he was swinging out of the left side for some sets. That's how good that player is. So they had a setter who was also one of their best left sides. Well, check, check. He could absolutely run a 6-2 with, with, that, with that setter, providing the other setter was good too, which he was. So Sproul was able to run a 6-2. Amazing that he was able to do that. So... You know, we want to we want to like factor these things in when it comes to running uh, a five one and six two. You got to do that. Now, I understand in the women's game, okay, um, maybe backcourt isn't as 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 vital as it is in the men's game. Okay, also in, in the women's game, uh, women's teams like to run that step, and if you have a backcourt setter, you cannot run that step. So the five one may be a better suitor for you in that case. Okay, so there's and mind you, there there's, there are lots of teams who run a six-two, and I know one of the popular beliefs, more so on the women's side, is if you don't have a backcourt that's strong, you don't have a C ball or D ball that's effective. Well, that's a lot of pressure to put on your left side attack, because that, that means that in three rotations they're going to be left side dominant, very easy to read. So I understand why. If you have no seed ball or backward attack, I understand why a 6-2 might be better because then at least you can spread your offense. And even though it may not be one of your best opposites, as long as they're a decent hitter on a one-on-one -on -one situation and can score, you know, that puts yourself in a good position. So, you know, these are the things that I, I, I wanted to just bring to your attention. Uh, the 5-1, the 6-2, the 4-2. So let me just recap a couple of things here before we move on. So 4-2 is... Very, very basic, okay? Very basic offense. We're talking 
normally at the four, the four two, you have two setters. They start opposite of each other. When one setter goes to the front row, they're switching to the middle, and then they're going to have a left side set and a right side set. So everyone's just passing to the middle of the floor. Very, very simple. You could take this a step further by having a middle attack. Same four two, but instead of the setter setting from the middle, it's from position three. They're going to set from position two, so you can have a middle attack and a left side attack. Okay, no backcourt, no C-ball. And then the 5-1, we talked about one setter. They're, they're kind of running the, the offense. They're running the show. 6-2, great option if you can. Two fantastic setters, and you got everyone else, everyone else is swinging. You could, you could do that as well. Again, all you know, they're all they all have their own um, positives and negatives, I guess, if you want to call it that. They, they, but don't forget, okay, when you're sitting down determining whether or not you know the five one, six two, or four two is the right rotation for you, you have to look at the personnel that you have. Because don't make the mistake, you know, I always hear, I see some coaches say, right, we're going to run a 6-2 this season because that's the best system. Well, there's no such thing as the best system unless you know what your player personnel is. Like, you got to know who your players are before you run any system. Do you know what I mean? So like, if, if you don't have a good system, then yeah, you're in trouble. You are in trouble. Okay. Now, I know at the women's level in the OCAA, or not OCAA, NCAA, you guys get like 15 subs. So that changes the game right off the bat. So that's something you might want to factor in too. If you're allowed 15 subs, your rotations might look a little different because you can have DSs that come in off the bench. You can have serving subs that come in off the bench. You know, so you might have, you might have your a middle never serve a ball because of, because of the amount of subs you can. So look at the rules if you have 15 subs you're, you're maybe you run a 6-2 because of the amount of uh switching and subs you can do uh so some things to consider the rules like sub in in canada and and in majority parts of the world i'll tell you you only have six subs at the higher level that's it so you only have six subs you really can't can't do much <laughs> so you know things like that you gotta you gotta be aware of okay um Listen, if you have any questions about what the best rotation for you is or you want to bounce anything off me, shoot me a message on, on Instagram. Okay, Brian Singh underscore Coach B, and I'll, I'll definitely be able to help you out. If you're a DVA member, okay, I have a breakdown of rotations inside DVA. It's in the Coach's Blueprint. So take a look at that. Enjoy it. Um, it's there for you. And I walk you through how to set up rotations, Okay. Um, and then in DVA members can also hit that talk to me button as well. And you can reach out to me and I'll get you a, a video response back. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and if, for, for those, for those other you guys, if, if anyone's interested in joining DVA, you know where to find it, digitalvolleyballacademy.com. Info is also in the, in the show notes. You want to get more information on that mentorship academy that I run? Uh, yeah, go check it out. Okay. It's a little short one for you guys today. Just a little quick one. I wanted to address the 5-1 versus 6-2 debate. I wanted to address it. I haven't addressed it much on the pod, so I had an, I dedicated an entire episode to it. I hope I gave you clarity on when deciding which one to run for yourself. I really hope I gave you clarity on that because that's at the end of the day, that, that's what I'm trying to do. And hopefully, um, you know, we can, uh, we can take it from there. All right. Reach out if you need anything. Thanks again. I'll see you guys next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. Take care. All right. Cue the music. 
Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training and instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days? When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.